0: Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So, uh, tonight we're doing the lesson a little different. It's not going to be me standing up here and you guys sitting down there. I'm going to pick some random person to do the lesson. So, Christian, you're not. I'm joking. He probably could. Um, what I want you to do is I want, for the last time tonight, night, everybody come on up to the front and sit down. So, don't sit to the sides. Like, sit right up. Push the chairs back if you have to. And I'm going to sit down here with you. We're going to do the lesson like... Close together on the floors. Come in. Don't you don't, don't stay too close to the sides. Push those chairs way back if you have to, so you have room. Just push them back. You can destroy, I don't care if you destroy them. Let's go. Push them back. It's all good. Everybody come on up to the front. Get cozy. I am cozy. Get cozy. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Everybody get cozy. If you're going to sit back there, guys, can you push the chairs out of the way so I can see you? Because I'm getting ready to sit down too. I won't be able to see you. Here, just like send them down. There we go. Yeah, have a seat on the floor, guys. I'm going to sit down here too. How's that? How's that? So, um, I, I wanted to change it up a little bit tonight because… Um, There are a lot of times where where we open the Bible and we go hard, right? You know, we get into what the Bible says about this particular topic or this. We explain a lot. Um, But tonight, you know, I'm the youth pastor here. In case you don't know me, my name's Matt. I'm the youth pastor here. I think I know most of you. Uh, (laughs) Joey, hi. I'd like to introduce myself. Um, But part of being a pastor is that you're a teacher. You teach the Bible. But does anybody know what the word pastor means in Greek? Anybody know? No. Somebody said it. Shepherd. Yeah, somebody said it back there. Shepherd. So um, part of what I, part of my, I don't want to say job, but part of what God's called me to do is to help give guidance and give advice. And that's what it's going to be tonight. Obviously, we're going to be in the Bible. Um, I'm not here to give you my opinion. Um, But I've got this graphic up here, and it Talks about storms and um, we talked in our tag group about storms and what it, uh, uh, somebody's trying to get in back there and the door's locked. We might need to prop it open. (laughs) We don't let unsavory characters in. So, um, Have you ever been in a storm where you thought like you may be in big trouble? I was flying into the Dominican Republic one time and um, they have, you know, tropical storms and systems and... One time got on there and, um, you know, if you've ever flown before, you know every once in a while you hit turbulence. Yes. Everybody ever felt that before when you're flying? Who, who's, who here has flown like an airplane before you? Who here has, has hit turbulence before? You felt that like, well, we hit turbulence, and everybody's like, you know, and then we hit turbulence again, and it was really bad. Like, you know the feeling like, like when you're on a roller coaster or something it feels like you're peeing out of your belly button? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Yeah, it's just this, and I had that feeling. And everybody on the plane had a feeling, everybody screamed and the pilot gets on and you know how the pilots are always sound cool and collected. He goes, yeah, sorry about that guys. We just dropped about a thousand feet. Uh, (laughs) He said it like it was no big deal. And we keep flying through this storm. And the plane, you know, is going like this, you know, and trying to get down under the... And the pilot gets on, again, to kind of reassure us. He's like, hey, guys, keep your seatbelts fastened. We're flying through some turbulence, and all of a sudden, we hit this, like, big packet, this big pocket of air, and the plane is just shaking, and the pilot gets nervous and swears on the... (laughs) On the, uh, the intercom because, he's so, because it, it, it even, the storm even took him by surprise. Um, so some of you have been in some storms before. Um, you know, maybe you've lived in like a place where they get hurricanes or you, a place where they get tornadoes. And storms can be, I like sitting on my porch and watching them come in. Anybody else like to like sit outside and like listen to the thunderstorms come in? But sometimes they can, be, they can freak you out. And sometimes they can be inconvenient like ice storms and just make you hate your life. Um, but tonight we're going to learn about Jesus when he was met by a storm. But I want to ask you a question first um, because it wasn't just a physical storm that the disciples experienced. They experienced a storm in their lives, like in their faith and in their hearts. So the question I want to kind of ask you tonight is what is your storm? What storm are you going through? Um, I'm convinced, and I say this a lot, um, you, know, old pe- you know, old people always pre- act like, I feel like... I guess some of you, I am an old person, but like there are people even older than me, if you can believe it. Um, And they always seem to act like teenagers don't have any problems in the world. Like, oh, I wish I could go back to middle school. I'm like, no, you don't. Nobody wants to, no, you don't. Like they're like, I wish I could go back to high school. I didn't have a care in the world. Any of y'all high schoolers don't have a care in the world? I don't think so, right? You have things in your life that are difficult and you have storms. And I believe it gets, I tell, this is what I tell the old people to say that, it gets harder every, I believe it gets harder every year to be a teenager. Um, do you think they were doing less, home, you, you think teenagers were doing less homework or last year? Probably. You think that there's ever going to be a time where you do less homework the next year? No, they are going to be more and, more, and I'm not trying to be depressing here. I'm just like, I, that's the way I felt, and I'm sure it's the way you feel. Like every year it gets harder and harder. And every year, sometimes it seems like academically, like teachers are more demanding. Um, It even seems like, I I feel like athletically, like you're expected to be on this elite level like right away and you're like, hey, I'm just a freshman, like, you know, I'm still going through puberty, I can't be like LeBron James, right? And there's these high expectations. I believe it's harder than ever to be a teenager. Um, how many of you were here last week? Who was here last? You know, I think a lot of you were here last week. Uh, last week, we got to do something that we hadn't got to do for a long time. And we did a, a time of prayer where you got to turn in cards with your prayer requests. Remember? And we, um, and I, I told you that as leaders, we would pray over those cards. And we did. I, 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 I shared the cards with the leaders and we've been praying over those. And those cards were to me a reminder how hard it is to be a teenager, and the storms um, that you're going through. Uh, you can rest assured, I, we have not shared your requests outside of our group of leaders, and we will not. Uh, but f- for some of you, my heart really broke uh, that you're having to go through some of the things um, that you're going through. So, I think all of us tonight fall into one of two categories, so I want you to think about which of these categories you fall under. The first is you know someone who is going through a storm in their life. Like you know someone whose life is falling apart. You have a best friend or you have someone in your family and things are just falling apart at like a blistering pace. Some of you, you are the one who you feel like your life is falling apart. And you're the one that's experiencing the storm. What I want to show you tonight is... uh, I hate to call them Bible stories because they're really not stories. They're literal things that happened. Um, But I want to share with you um, something that happened to Jesus and the people who followed him, his disciples, a storm that they experienced. And, you know, sometimes our lessons are kind of (laughs) complex. We get into some really interesting things. Tonight is just so stinking simple that you've probably heard this story before. But you know, the reason that we're supposed to read our Bible every day and spend time in God's Word isn't necessarily so that we can read things that are new, but it's so we can be reminded of what God has already told us. So if you have your Bible, open up to Mark chapter four. And I'm gonna read to you. It's only seven verses. It's one of, the, one of the shortest stories in the Bible, true stories. Accounts written by Mark, who was, you know, his name was John Mark. He was a follower of Jesus. He was one of these disciples who was there. This is an eyewitness account. And before this happens, what you've got to understand what's going on. Jesus is attracting a crowd wherever he goes. You know, like there's certain people, like if they showed up at the mall, like people would just be mobbing them. You know, think about like think about somebody who's incredibly famous, who has like millions of followers. If they were the mall, everybody would be trying to you know, get a picture of them, take a picture of them, uh, you just try to touch them. you know have you ever seen somebody like like uh, just like somebody that's just so famous, everybody just wants a piece of them, right? Um, and Jesus was that because he was healing people. Um, he was. Uh, he was preaching things that, that just touched people's heart, and everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. So what happened was th- Jesus was on the, the seashore, the Sea of Galilee and he was preaching and the crowd wanted a piece of him so bad that they kept like pressing in on him and pressing in on him and if you're like me, anybody, you need your personal space, anybody else like it? you, give me my personal space. Don't touch me there, this is my no-no square type thing, right, and, and, and Jesus was being pushed in on so his disciples, here's the good thing, they were fishermen. Yeah, you know, who's the, who's the one that wrote the song, It Could Buy Me a Boat? Um, you know, that country song. No, we're not going to get into country songs. Anyway, the disciples, they had a boat. So Jesus got on the boat and they pushed the boat off to, offshore just a few yards so that Jesus could have some space to preach to this huge crowd of people. So Jesus preaches, it's the, one of the most famous sermons he ever preached, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, and then in Mark chapter 4, after Jesus is done preaching, we start in verse 35, it says, on that day when the evening had come, so the day's ending, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Let's, you know, we're in the boat already, let's just, let's go to the other side of the, uh, of the, of the lake and what you're the scene, What well, you realize a lot of times Jesus is trying to get away from the crowd so he can spend time with his people with his 12 disciples and have some like, like, like personal time with them, um, so they do that. In verse 36, it says, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with them. So you see, all these people are like, oh, Jesus is sailing away, and they're going around finding boats to get in to follow Jesus. That's how in demand and how popular he was. Verse 37, it says, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Here's the storm, right? But this is what's so, so wild. Verse 30, 38, it says, but he, meaning Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. So Jesus is sleeping through this storm. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? It's like, hello, Jesus. Do you not care? We're about to go down. It's about to be Titanic. You know, it's about to be Jack Rose, you know, going down, never let go. Like, like we're going to die. And he awoke, verse 39, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? So before we, uh, I've got just a couple things to talk about when it comes to storms. Before we do that, let's pray together. Um, Let's bow our heads, let's go to Jesus. Um, God, we've read your word. We've read this simple story, this amazing story. God, you spoke and a a storm ceased. Um, But God, we are people in our lives. We know people. We are people who have storms that are raging in our lives. So, God, I pray that as we talk about how you calm the storm, that we'll remember that you can calm the storm in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing, yeah, I know some of you, you're you're like, are we going to be taking notes? And you can take notes. Like, I've got got points and I've got some, I don't have F words later, but I have some T words, okay? Try to bring back the F words next week. Um, But remember the question I asked, what's your storm? What's the storm in your life? We're gonna learn some things about storms. And the first thing that we learn through this passage of scripture is that following Jesus does not exempt you from the storm. Do you know what I mean by exempt? It's kind of like when you go to, when, when you're, a, you ever, anybody ever play Monopoly? You get the get out of jail free card, you know? And you don't have to be stuck in jail in Monopoly. Um, some people think that being a Christian means that you get, have a get out of storms free card. And sometimes we get that impression like when we come to church. Like you ever notice that like everybody seems to be magically perfect on Sundays and Wednesdays and if I ask you, hey, how are you doing? You're like, fine, good, everything's great, right? You fought with your parents all the way to church, right? And your dad's like getting ready to pick up a tree and knock you out, he's doing one of these things like as as you're driving in the mirror and, and everybody's all upset and you've had a terrible day, coming to refuel, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. You know, everybody's just great, right? And we have this idea sometimes that being a a Christian, being a follower of Jesus means that we're never going to experience storms in our life. But look at what happens here in this story. Verse 35, Jesus gives them a clear, like, command, right? A a clear thing. He says, let us go to the other side. So Jesus makes it very clear to his disciples what he wants and what he expects them to do. Just like Jesus has made it very clear to us what he wants expects from us and what he wants from us and what it means to follow him. And what's incredible is the disciples, they just say, okay, we'll do it. Yes, Lord. It says, leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. You notice like how quickly they just obeyed? Usually the disciples have lots of questions. They're like, Jesus, can you explain this? Or, you know, why are we doing, need to do it this way? No, they just did it. Um, They just did it. And you would think that with that kind of obedience, life would be great for them. But they followed Jesus, they obeyed Jesus right into a storm. We should note that sometimes God does use storms to get our attention. You ever heard of this guy named Jonah, right? God said, Jonah, I want you to go to this place called Nineveh, and Jonah said, I don't think I wanna go there. Got on a boat, and guess what God did? He sent a storm to get Jonah going the right direction. So there are times God uses storms to get our attention about sin in our life. But you have here disciples that were following Jesus, doing exactly what he wanted them to do, exactly when he wanted them to do it, and they experienced the storm of their lives. I believe, you know, I've been a youth pastor for 11 years now. Makes me feel old. But What I've learned is that you as teenagers are very hard on yourselves. Um, you're very quick to blame yourselves, and I think that's unfortunately because a lot of adults blame teenagers for things that are outside of your control. You forget things. There are times you forget to turn your homework in, and it's not because you were trying to be a jerk, it's just that you literally forgot your homework, right? And, and sometimes that transfers to the way that you think, and you're very quick to, to blame yourselves for things that are going on in your life. And there are some times that God uses a storm to get our attention because of things that are wrong in our lives but there are many times when the the things that we're experiencing, the pain in our lives, it simply is because that we live in a world that is under the curse of sin. And following Jesus does not mean that we're exempt from the storm. Following Jesus does not mean life is gonna be easy. It means life is gonna be worth it. So following Jesus does not exempt you from the storm. You say, Matt, that's real positive. (laughs) You're telling me I'm gonna go through storms. Well, maybe it gets a little better. Uh, with the next point. The next thing we learn through this is that what scares us doesn't scare Jesus. What I love here is how different the disciples react to the storm versus how different Jesus reacts to the storm. Look at it. Look in verse 27. Look at some of the terms. Yeah, because Mark was an eyewitness to Jesus. He experienced this. He was there. So he's describing what he saw. And look at, look at how he describes a storm. A great windstorm arose and look how big the waves are since the waves were breaking into the boat and the boat was already filling one of my guilty pleasures is TikTok, and i love i don't know if you ever seen some of these these these, these clips of people that have these boats and they're like sailing them in the ocean and they're hitting the waves like they've they've never operated one of these boats they're hitting the waves like the wrong like directions and they're like going way up over this wave and like 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 people are falling off the boats it's fun to watch Probably not fun if you're experiencing it. Um, But these disciples, you know what most of them did before they started following Jesus, right? They were fishermen. They drove boats for a living. They'd probably been in a, a, a high number of storms. But there was something about this storm that freaked them out said a great windstorm arose, the waves were breaking into the boat, the boat was already filling. So they're at a crisis point. Like the boat is taking on water. Some of you maybe feel like the storm in your life, it's at like a crisis point. It's like your, your life has been taking on water and taking on water for so long. You're not how sure how much longer the boat of your life is going to stay above the water. And that's where the disciples were. They knew that they were in a bad situation because they'd been in bad situations before, but they'd never had a situation like this. They knew that they could very easily die through this storm. So we see the disciples, right? They've lost all all common sense. They're freaking out. They're probably already trying to bail water out, but the, the water was coming in the boat faster than they could bail out. So that's the disciples. But look at Jesus's reaction to the storm. Verse 38, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow or on a cushion. The, the, the boats that most of the um, Galileans used in the first century, um, they, were, they were boats with sails and they had in the front, which is called the stern, where, where it kind of goes up like this. They had like a little compartment where when people would get seasick or people needed to rest in the middle of the storm. Was Jesus just like a heavy sleeper like your dad? Like, I feel like everybody's dad is a heavy sleeper and everybody's mom like a pin drops and the mom's like, I think something's on fire. Right, um, was it? Was it Jesus was just a heavy sleeper? He didn't. He, he he didn't hear the wind. He didn't hear the waves. Well, no. How do I know this? It's because what well, Jesus he right up. He wasn't right up. He wasn't like your dad. He wasn't like your dad. And you're like you're like poking him with a stick. You know you're like pouring water on. He's like you know, you know. No, Jesus apparently woke right up when the disciples tried to wake him up. So imagine the wind starts howling. Jesus hears it. Maybe it wakes him up, and he. Goes back to sleep. The waves start getting pretty intense. So Jesus feels the boat rocking. And he goes back to sleep. The boat starts taking on water and maybe the water starts filling up that compartment there. Jesus goes back to sleep. How could Jesus sleep during this crazy storm? It's because Jesus was not scared of the storm. Because we learn later in the passage that with one, with, with, with one word, the storm went away. Jesus has that power because he was God in a bod. He was God in in human form. And what scared the disciples to death death did not scare Jesus. You know the only thing that ever scared Jesus? Anybody know the only thing that ever scared Jesus? That's exactly right, Luke. The cross. Jesus, before he was put to death for our sins... Spent time praying in agony, sweating drops of blood. And he said, as he was praying, if it be your will, Father, let this cup of wrath, this cup pass from me. The only thing that we really ever have to be scared of, paying for our sin with death, Jesus has already taken care of that. He paid for our sin. And the rest of the things that scare us, and while sometimes we have a reason to be maybe a little nervous and a little timid and be careful, it doesn't scare him. It doesn't scare him. So the storm in your life, you know, remember I ask you, what's your storm? It doesn't scare Jesus. The next thing we learn through this is just two words that I think are maybe the just most encouraging words that I could ever say, the most encouraging words that I could ever receive into my life are these two words. Jesus cares, Jesus cares. You know, I've got this picture up here because this was me this past week. I was drowning in schoolwork. I was talking to my tag about it. I was drowning in schoolwork. Some of you are drowning in schoolwork. You know, when we're talking about the storms of your life, you ever feel like nobody really cares? Like, people listen to you complain. They listen to you gripe. They're like, oh, that's too bad. But they don't really care. You ever find it hard to trust people in telling them what you're you're going through? Unfortunately, I... I believe adults have not made it easy for teenagers to trust them. Um, I believe, and I I don't wanna try to sound negative here or that I'm like trashing anybody, um, but I believe that you you as teenagers have been failed by almost every institution in the world at some point in your life. Um, I gotta be careful, but think about school. There are great teachers out there, right? There are great, and we have great teachers that are part of our youth, youth ministry team. Do you ever think about how during the pandemic, you felt very lost academically? <laughs> a lot of you did. And I think a lot of people tried as hard as they could and they tried their best to help you through it, but there was only so much that they could do. Um, some of you come from homes that on the outside look like the perfect American home with a white picket fence and 2.5 kids and a cat and a dog. But what goes on inside your home, you, you feel like you've been failed by your family. We don't want to talk about the government, right? <laughs> we know they're going to fail us. Did you notice that yeah, the government pretty much let everybody not wear masks except for students. I think that was kind of unfair. And then sadly, a lot of times, even churches, I believe, fail teenagers many times. Um, by making mountains out of molehills, by looking at you as people who might be good Christians in five years, but right now we just need to entertain you and keep you, keep you busy so you don't like, you know, do something that's going to ruin your life forever. You have every reason sometimes to think that nobody cares. But look at this question that the disciples asked Jesus. He's on the boat, think about it. They're freaking out, they, they, and somebody, I don't know which of these disciples say it, but somebody's like, hey, where's Jesus? <laughs> you know, we've been bailing, trying to bail this boat out. Where's Jesus? And somebody's like, he's still in the stern of the boat. He's still asleep. So they go to Jesus. And read what they, the question they ask, because I believe, I believe we all sometimes ask this question of God sometimes. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? You ever experience things in your life that are just terrible? You've been abandoned by someone, someone has failed you, you bombed the test and you don't think, you might not make the passing grade now. And you say, God, do you even care? Look at what Jesus does. I mean, if, if I were God, if I were Jesus, and somebody questioned if I cared, somebody questioned my, my integrity and my motives, I probably would have had a snarky remark. Yeah, I probably would not have been very kind if somebody asked me, don't you even care? But do you see what Jesus does? He awoke, he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, peace be still. Jesus doesn't chastise them. Jesus, I believe, saw the fear in their eyes and he cared. Even though he knew, he knew they were gonna get to the other side. He knew they were gonna be fine. He cared enough to take care of them and to get them through the storm. If you ever have to wonder if Jesus cares, just look to the cross and you will realize that he gave everything for you. Jesus cares when it feels like your school doesn't care, when it feels like maybe even somebody in your family doesn't care, when it feels like your friends don't care, maybe even your church doesn't care, never forget, Jesus cares. The final thing we learn, you actually see it in the next chapter. Um, So we're we're in Mark chapter four, we made it to the end of the chapter, Jesus calms the wind, calms the waves, Look at what verse one of chapter five says, and they came to the other side of the sea. In the words of Forrest Gump, I'm not a smart man, but here's one thing I know about boats, especially sailboats. If you don't have wind, you're not going anywhere. Did you notice what Jesus did? He rebuked the wind and the sea. He calmed the storm, so there was no wind. You want to know what the disciples needed to get to the other side? This is not a trick question. Wind, right? Which of the disciples do you think kind of sheepishly asked maybe after like five, 10 minutes of just being just almost dumbfounded that Jesus actually stopped the storm? Hey, uh, Jesus, do you think uh, maybe we could get a little bit of wind? <laughs> <Got it. laughs> because the next slide there, Jordan, you can see what it looks like when you don't have wind. You're stuck in the middle of the, in the, middle of the lake. You're all too young to get this reference, but it's a really funny movie. Uh, <laughs> um, you're st- you, they were stuck. You know what's interesting about that storm and about that wind? It's what took them from one side of the lake To the other, what you realize if you read in Mark chapter five is that Jesus does some incredible things. He casts demons out of a man. He takes this, turns this demon possessed man into a missionary that reaches all. It's called the Decapolis, these this ten city group for him. He does incredible things. There are incredible things on the other side of the storm. The storm had a purpose. You realize that Jesus teaches his disciples during this storm, um, he, taught, he teaches them about faith. He says, where is your faith? Why do you doubt or why are you afraid? And it says, they were filled with great fear and said one to another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples began to realize who Jesus really was. And our storms, storms in our life, they have a purpose. We don't have to enjoy the storms. We don't have to be like, oh, God, God, I'm so glad my family is a hot train wreck right now. But what we can do is we can trust that he has a reason and that he has a purpose for it. The same wind that rocks the boat is the wind that's going to get you to the other side. So the question is, what is your storm? My clock's not working back there. The, the TV's off, so I don't even know what time it is. It's time to, time to wrap it up. But I want to give you my T words before we leave, Okay. I'm gonna give you my T words. The first T word is talk to God. You know what's sad is some of us talk to Siri and Alexa more than we do talk to God. You know, I, I have this great relationship with Siri. She'd pretty much do anything for me. She's a lot more obedient than my kid is. You know, I was like, hey Siri, do this for me. Hey Siri, do that for me. Hey Alexa, play this song. Sometimes we talk to our devices and we talk to our pets more than we do God. You see what the critical point was in the disciples storm? It's when somebody said, hey, where's Jesus, right? It's when they said, do you care that we're dying? It wasn't a very amazing prayer. It wasn't in King James Elizabethan English. They didn't say, oh, Lord, we beseech thee upon thy mercies. They said, Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? Prayer doesn't have to be this this poetic thing that you do in Elizabethan English. Prayer can be you pouring your heart out to God and talking to him. The next T word is that you need to trust God. Some of you have never put your faith in Jesus. You've never trusted Jesus for salvation. It's time to do that. What's stopping you? You've been coming for so long. What's stopping you from saying yes to Jesus and believing that when he died on the cross, he saved your life and you turn to him and put your faith in him. But for some of you, you know that your future, your eternal future is secure with Jesus question is, if you trust Jesus to get you to heaven, why can't you trust him with the storm in your life? Trust Jesus. The next is tackle your doubts. Think about your storm and then think about this question. What's the one thing that makes you struggle in your trust for God? Turn that over to God. Then the final T word is tell somebody about Jesus. You know, I, I said we're all in one of two categories. There are some of you, you are going through a storm right now. But there are some of you, you have a friend, you have a best friend, you have a mom, you have a dad that is going through a storm right now. Maybe what that person needs is they need to hear about this one who cares and he calms the storm. So what's your storm? We're going to pray and we're going to get out of here. But before we do, I want to remind you of something. Um, some of you on your, on your cards, you wrote some things that, like I said, broke my heart, the things that you're having to go through. If there's something that just you feel like it's just too heavy to hold on to yourself, Jesus cares, but we care because Jesus cares. If there's something that you need to tell to a leader, something you need us to pray about, please catch one of us uh, before you leave tonight. So let's pray and we'll get out of here. Oh God, thank you so much that you care. Um, Thank you so much that no matter what the storm is that we're going through, um, that you're big enough to get us through and you're compassionate enough to care. Um, God, I think about people that are going through just very difficult family situations right now. God, that you'll be with them. Think about people who are drowning, (laughs) drowning in academics. Um, God, that they will trust in you. Uh, I think about people who are having to deal with situations where people are being very hurtful to them. Oh, God, that they'll trust in you and they'll know that you care and that you see it. Uh, God, I pray that as we leave, we'll just remember how much you love us and how much you care. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.